0: Good evening. evening. I'm glad you are here in uh, for this evening time of worship. Uh, Again, it is a blessing any time that God's people can be together, and I'm glad that we can be together tonight. And I left my clicker somewhere, dear. That's better. Uh, and apparently I don't have a microphone on yet either. Ralph's trying to let me know about that. All right, hopefully it'll keep, it'll keep going. Uh, I think it cut out uh, part of the way through the sermon this morning. so hopefully this one will will keep going throughout and uh, all will be well. But let's go ahead and open our Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, which we've, we, we' we've been spending time in this chapter for, For several weeks now, we started in in January, um, looking, I think we started with, you know, the first section, verses 1 through 4, and then we started kind of breaking down the the next section, verses 5 through 17, and we've been going through that kind of slowly as we make our way through those verses, and I hope you don't mind if we slow down just a little bit more, uh, because I, I want to go back particularly to verses 12 through 14. And for the next few weeks, look at some of the concepts in those verses just a little bit more closely than we had time to do in previous lessons. Uh, He says in Colossians 3, verse 12, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Uh, specifically, we've we've touched on how these qualities are uh, are characteristics that the Lord Himself displayed while he was on earth, and they're qualities that we should strive to imitate. So we'll start tonight, we'll, we'll focus over the next few weeks, but start tonight with compassion and kindness. I think those are two ideas that, that, that kind of go hand in hand in, in many occasions, but let's just, let's just start off. Let, let's talk about, uh, let, let's define some of our terms. Let, let's talk about what we, what we mean when we say compassion and kindness. First of all, if you're reading from the King James Version, you might find the, the translation is significantly different and it might look a little bit strange in verse 12. Because the ESV, which is what I usually read from, says in verse 12, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Here's the King James. Put on therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long suffering." Vowels of mercies. Sounds a little weird, doesn't it? It sounds a a little strange. Uh, We would say it differently. Uh, And and that's evidenced by a lot of the more recent translations, wording it a little bit differently. Maybe, uh, you know, um, this past Wednesday was Valentine's Day. Maybe on that day you sought to express to someone just how much you cared about them. I hope you do that more than just, you know, one day a year in the middle of February. But we, we think about it a little, maybe a little bit more on that day, right? Because that's what I every you know, we see all the, you know, the flowers and the candies and the cards and all of that in the grocery store. So it's on our mind. But I, I hope that you do that every day. But, but maybe you, you said something like this. I love you from the bottom of my heart. That's what we would say, isn't it? For us, the heart is where feelings like love, compassion, and pity, and many others, that's where they come from. But for the ancients, and I'm led to understand that this was both true of ancient Greek and Hebrew thought, uh, those feelings came from a little bit lower in the abdomen. Uh, Such emotions were seen as coming from the bowels, or or if you're more comfortable with the term, we might say intestines. And so that's why you have the King James Version translating it in that way. And it sounds weird to our 21st century Western brains, right? Because we we don't think of the intestines in that way. We think of the heart. And so it's a better translation, I guess, for us. It's not a as literal of a translation but it is probably a better translation for us to use the term heart because it's conveying the same basic idea you know these feelings come from somewhere inside of you but it's using the idiom that we're we're more familiar with if you had grown up using bowels of mercies it wouldn't sound so strange to you but it does this is this is the 21st century so we're going to stick with uh, compassionate hearts, all right? Y'all mind if we do that, that all right? Um, and, and here's another question. You will see there on the screen, the, 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 K, the King James says mercies. Of course, the Eng, English Standard and many others said compassion. So which ease is, it? is it? Is it compassion? Is it mercies? I think either one would be uh, an acceptable translation. Uh, O.N.D. Albright, who in the Truth for Today commentary Defined the word this way. He said, It's a tender and amiable disposition that is deeply touched to see see people hurting. The word that Paul uses there, that's how he defines it. Uh, So maybe maybe compassion is more in line with how we use those words. Because I think of mercy, I think of something that's, that's being done. You know, I show someone mercy, I do something for them, and there's action. Being taken where compassion maybe speaks more to the the feeling, the the emotional side of it. That's not to say that the emotion doesn't move us to action, but that's just the the, the different nuance uh, between those two words. But of course, that's where kindness comes into play. Vines defines the word translated kindness as goodness in action, expressing itself in deeds. Kindness we might say, is doing good for others. Simple as that. Especially, especially those who have specific needs. Kindness is a characteristic of our God. It is a quality that he demonstrates toward all people, whether righteous or wicked. If you go back to Luke chapter six and verse 35, there Jesus says, he tells us to love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the most high for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Well, how does he show that kindness? Well, in a parallel passage, Matthew chapter five, verse 45 says, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. He does good for all people even those who don't love him in return. Of course, that's a key aspect of what agape love is all about. We'll talk about that a little bit later in Colossians 3 and verse 14. we off put on love. The word there is agape. We'll talk more about that in a later lesson. But kindness, it's, it's, a, it's a quality. It's a characteristic of God. It's something that he shows to all people. And it's also something that we can develop as we walk with the Spirit, as we're guided by the Spirit and the inspired Word and letting that change us. Paul said in Galatians 5 and verse 22 that the fruit of the Spirit, the, the, the things that manifest in our lives when we are led by the Spirit, meaning we're led by the Spirit-inspired Word, said they are love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and, and on into verse 23 of that passage, he lists other things. And again, compassion, kindness, they, they, they kind of go together. Compassion moves us often to kindness. And that's especially something we see in the life of our Savior. So what we're going to do for the majority of our lesson for tonight is look at examples where Jesus had compassion. And where Jesus showed kindness to those in his life. So, so let's start in the book of Matthew. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 9. And notice there beginning in verse 35, Matthew chapter nine, beginning in verse 35. It says, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, notice it, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus saw the crowds, saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd. They needed someone to care for them, to guide them. That's what a shepherd does, right? A shepherd guides the sheep. A shepherd leads the sheep. A shepherd cares for the sheep. Jesus saw these people. He saw that they needed someone to lead them. He saw that they needed someone to care for them. He saw that need, and it was, he was touched. He was touched by that need. He had compassion for them. What did he do? Well, he himself did much to to guide and to care for them. He taught them. He healed them, verse 35. But he also instructed his disciples. Pray, he said, for the Lord of harvest to send laborers into his harvest. And I know it's it's a different metaphor, but I think think the, the, the implication is still the same. Pray for someone To lead them, to guide them, and to care for them because that's what they need. And then at the beginning of the very next chapter, Matthew chapter 10, he chooses 12, names them as apostles, and sends them out with a command. Look at Matthew 10, verse 7 and 8. And proclaim as you go, actually let's back up, uh, verse 5. These 12 Jesus sent out, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. What did he just, he he just realized about them. They were like lost sheep. They were like sheep without a shepherd. He said, go among the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now verse seven, and proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, Cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You receive without paying, give without paying. We could could keep reading, but we'll stop there. What did he tell these 12 to do? He he saw a need. He had compassion. He took action. He worked to meet that need. He told his disciples, pray for someone to meet that need. And then he told the 12, y'all go meet that need. Go and teach. Go and help. I've always loved that. Jesus says, pray for that. And then he said, now you go do it. <laughs> you go and be the, the, those that, that tend to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Let's look at another example. Go over to Matthew 14, a few chapters over. Matthew 14, beginning in verse 13. Says there, now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Notice, he had compassion. He saw the need. He was moved by their need and he worked to meet that need. But then another need arises in verse 15. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place. And the day is now over, send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we have only five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke, uh, he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate and were satisfied. They took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. He saw a need. He met that need again over in chapter 15. A very similar situation beginning in verse 32. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd. Because they've been with me now three days and I've had nothing. To, and, and they have nothing to eat. And I'm unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? They said seven and a few small fish. And directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, verse 35, and he said, he 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 took the seven loaves and the fish and having given thanks to, having given thanks He broke them and gave them to the disciples. The disciples gave them to the crowds. They all ate and were satisfied. They took up seven baskets full of the broken pieces left over. Those who ate were 4,000 men, besides women and children. And after sending away the crowds, he got into the boat and went to the region of Magadan. This time, this time it says he had compassion Specifically because the crowd had been with him for three days. And now they had nothing to eat. And he didn't want to send them away. If he sent them away, they, they might pass out on the way to town. So once again, he miraculously meets their need, feeding a large crowd with just a little bit of food. And we notice how in each one of those examples, he had compassion And he did something about it. His compassion moved him to do something good or kind for those who he saw in need. And it's illustrating how those two concepts really go hand in hand. Jesus saw a need. He met that need because he was moved with compassion for the people. Let's go to the book of Luke. Luke chapter seven. And the beginning in verse 11, it says, Soon afterward he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. And as he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother. She was a widow. And a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bier and the bearers stood still. And he said, young man, say to you, arise. The dead man sat up and began to speak. Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all and they glorified God, saying a great prophet has arisen among us and God has visited his people. And the report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. It's significant that this woman was a widow and that that young man was her only son. Because not only was there the sorrow of having lost both her husband and her only son, but there was probably a very real question of who was going to take care of her. Maybe she had another male relative who could take her in. Maybe there was a situation like with Naomi and Ruth back back in the book of Ruth, and, and, and they had Boaz who could take them in and take care of them. But I don't know. We can't be certain of that. Can't be certain that she had anyone. But Jesus saw the need and gave her the solution. Probably far beyond anything she could have imagined. Reminds me of what you know. Paul says in Ephesians chapter three, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, all we ask or imagine. One version says, he did for this woman probably something that she had never even thought could be possible. And he, he, he took, made sure she was taken care of. Her son was brought back to life and she had him once again. You know, one thing that stands out to me in this story is that the way it's presented it's as though Jesus and his disciples just happened to cross paths with this funeral procession and I don't believe anything in the Bible is accidental okay but the way it's presented it's almost as if he wasn't actively seeking this opportunity but when it was presented to him he once again was moved with compassion and took action on behalf of that poor widow Let's look at one more. In Luke chapter 8, one chapter over. Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 40. And this is a, a lengthier read, but we've got time, so bear with me as we read through to the end of the chapter. It says, Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him. For they were all waiting for him, and there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue, and falling at Jesus' feet, He implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him, and there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. Verse 45, and Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. For I perceive the power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling. And falling down before him declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed and he said to her daughter your faith has made you well go in peace while he was still speaking someone from the ruler's house came and said your daughter is dead do not trouble the teacher anymore but jesus on hearing this answered him he said do not fear only believe she will be well and when he came to the house He allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and the mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, do not weep. for She is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. Taking her by the hand, he called, saying, child, arise. And her spirit returned. And she got up at once and he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. You know, I don't find the words compassion or kindness used by Luke in that story. But we can surely see both concepts present, can't we? Without a doubt especially in the middle of the story, because Jesus stops to address this woman who had been healed. And that is something that has always struck me about this story, because there was a time factor here, right? The clock was ticking, so to speak. This little girl, 12 years old, was dying. And in fact, while her father was leading Jesus to her, she died. And it sounds like, at least the way it's recorded in, in Luke, and I, I know the, the other gospel writers who tell this story, that include some different details and exclude some ones that, that are in Luke. That You get the whole picture if you read all the accounts, but it sounds like in the case of this woman, Jesus didn't actually have to do anything for her to be healed because she came up and touched his garment. And immediately it says she was healed. And he stated, he said that he perceived that power had gone out from him. Sounds to me like it was kind of a passive thing. he, he, He wasn't actively involved. She touched him and she was healed but he paused he stopped even though there was a you know a time factor even though he needed to get to this house for this little girl he stopped and acknowledged this woman comforted this woman and encouraging her telling her that her faith Had made her well. And then he still cares for the girl. And her family. Even after she had died. He still goes to the house. And cares for them. Put on compassion. And kindness. That's what we're called to do. That's what Jesus demonstrated. Throughout his ministry on multiple occasions. As we've seen Tonight, He was compassionate. He was kind. And we're trying to imitate him, are we not? Paul said imitate me as I imitate Christ, which means we're imitating Christ. Paul said in Ephesians 5, be imitators of God as beloved children. So we put on compassion and kindness. You know, I'm not Jesus. I know you know that. I can't heal the sick. I can't raise the dead. I can't take a small amount of food and feed thousands of people. But there are things I can do. I can start by simply taking time for people. Jesus maybe could have regarded that funeral that was going by as he came into the city of Nain said no I've got somewhere else to be and just let it pass by he could have maybe ignored that woman who was healed said I've got somewhere to be and just kept on going we run such a rat race nowadays don't we we we're going so fast. We're coming and going. We're going here and there and everywhere. we got schedules that we don't have enough time in the day to keep. So this is a huge step in our, in our modern society. It is a huge step just to pause and take time for someone. But maybe that's what we need to do more of is to slow down and find those opportunities to show compassion and kindness. Take an interest in people look for opportunities to serve them look for opportunities to show compassion to do kindness toward them and maybe instead of focusing on what we can't do focus on what we can I can't heal the sick if I could I would but I can't. But I can visit someone. I can send them a card. I can make a call. Maybe I can offer to pick up groceries. Maybe, maybe help with medicine. Maybe, maybe take them to the doctor. And I'm just throwing out ideas—different ways that we can serve. I can't raise the dead. In many cases, I don't know if I'd want to if I could because I don't know if I'd want to take somebody from, from their reward. But I can visit with the grieving, I can look for ways to serve them, and, and, and many of us have done that many times in the past taking them a meal, helping with something around the house, or anything like that. I can't feed a multitude. Maybe I can feed a family. Or maybe I can buy lunch for someone who needs to be encouraged. That might be just as big as feeding 5,000 people for that person. In doing what I can, I'm imitating the attitude With which Christ dealt with people. I can't do the same things that He did, but I can certainly have the same heart of compassion, the same desire to act with kindness towards those who have needs. And that's an attitude that's certainly worth striving for. And it's not going to be easy. For some of us, it won't be easy. It might require us. To step outside of our comfort zone. But those, these are characteristics that can't be overlooked as we seek to follow our Lord. Paul didn't say, if it's comfortable for you, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, on and on. He said to do it. And maybe those are something you're naturally good at. I know people who are naturally good at, 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 at those things, at being compassionate, at showing kindness. If that's you, keep it up. Maybe it's something you're not naturally good at. Maybe it's something you know you have to work on. Maybe it's something you are working on. Don't give up. Maybe you need the prayers of the church tonight. Speak up. If we can pray for you, if we can support you, if we can show you compassion and kindness as brethren ought to do and share that with your brothers and sisters this evening we're going to sing a song of encouragement and that'll be your opportunity if you do need to speak up if you do need to come and and ask for prayers from your brothers and sisters you can do that tonight if you need that will you come while we stand and while we sing together